0: Good morning. It's been a busy weekend for the authorities with three men executed on Friday, including Jesus of Nazareth, the controversial and divisive figure, revered and adored by some, but condemned by others as a blasphemer and troublemaker. He was arrested in dramatic fashion on Thursday night and after a speedy trial put to death on a cross on Friday morning. But now, this morning, reports coming in that one or two people have been to the grave and discovered that the tomb is empty. Surely stolen, some people are saying, and yet the only thing of value there, the linen clothes, were left behind. I'm just getting some fresh updates on this now, thank you. Ah! It appears that Jesus of Nazareth has been seen in person by some of the women who went to the grave and and by a couple of people travelling along the road to Emmaus and by a group of his disciples gathered in a locked room. This is a most extraordinary day. I've never seen anything like it. What a day. What a day. So uh, we're going to uh, hear in a moment that story of uh, that very first Easter morning when they went and found the empty tomb. Uh, In a moment uh, Jim and Kate and Emily are going to help us to imagine what it would have been like if that happened today in our context, Um, but first of all Carolyn's going to read to us from um, Matthew's Gospel, the original account written 2000 years ago uh, of what happened on that very first Easter morning. So as we uh, open up God's word and hear this story afresh this morning, shall we invite his Holy Spirit to come? Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Easter Day. Uh, thank you for this day that proclaims your victory, uh, that the darkness threw everything it had at you, through betrayal and fear and even death, and you walked right through the middle of it all out into new life. Uh, so lead us, Heavenly Father, into victory, we pray. Fill us with your spirit as we hear this story now, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified he is not here for he has been raised as he said come see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee there you will see him this is my message for you So they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them, and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Come
2: on, come on, pick up the phone. Do you know what time it is? Oh, what's wrong? Oh, at last, hi, it's me! Oh, this had better be worth it. I'm been as the clock recently. Listen, something amazing's just happened. Mary and I met early this morning. We went to the tomb where they'd put Jesus. We just couldn't leave him like that. We were going to plead with the soldiers to let us go in and put perfume on his body. It had all been such a rush after he died and we wanted to sort it out properly.
3: Are you mad? What about all the restrictions? <sighs> Look, you can't be with anybody you don't live with. No travelling unless absolutely necessary. Look, you know the government are cracking down on it all. After everything that's happened, they don't want people gathering together. They think it's going to make everything worse. And there's you and Mary gallivanting off of heaven at heaven knows what time.
2: Please just listen. Okay. It was really early. There was no one about. We knew the tomb was being guarded. But we thought we might be able to sweet talk our way in some of the soldiers aren't too bad anyway so when we got there you wouldn't believe it all the troops were gone and that big rock they put across the entrance to the tomb was lying on the ground come on no it's true well at first we were frightened and we were going to run away then mary says well let's go in anyway there's nothing stopping us so we did after all it was what we had gone for So we went in, Mary first, then me.
3: Well, how was it? Had they laid him out properly?
2: He wasn't, the body wasn't there. What? There was just the shroud line on the rock where they had put him. And there were two men in there dressed in brilliant white. One sitting where his head would have been and the other at the other end.
3: Oh, okay. So they were keeping social distancing. All right then, what's the punchline? Go on.
2: Look, it's not a joke. Mary asked where the body was, and one of the men said that he wasn't dead. He was alive.
3: Look, no, that's not possible. The Romans don't make mistakes. No one's allowed to take anybody off a cross until they're 100% sure is dead. Oh. Someone must have stolen the body.
2: Well, that's what I thought. I said to Mary that we'd better tell somebody. I was all for heading back straight away, but she said she wanted to look around to see if there was any sign of him.
3: So what happened?
2: Oh, hang on, Mary's online. Mary, tell him what happened when we left the tomb. You just couldn't wait, could you? We
4: agreed we were going to do this together. The most important thing in life ever,
2: and you have
4: to go blurting it out.
2: Oh, stop being such a drama queen and tell him what happened.
4: Well, we decided that we would go to the tomb and put perfume on Jesus' body.
2: Not that bit, he already knows that bit. Tell him from when we got out of the tomb. See what I mean? You just have to be first, don't you? Just tell him what happened.
4: All right. So we went to the tomb and Motormouth here decides to run back and tell everyone. Anyway, I thought I'd look around and see if they would just dumped his body somewhere. I was crying and everything. Then I saw this man coming towards me. I thought it was the gardener. No one else was going to be up at that time.
3: <laughs> tell me about it.
4: So he said to me, Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? So I said to him, Do you know where they've taken my Lord? Just tell me where he is and I'll go and get him. And then he said to me, Mary. Just like that. And I knew it was him. Who? Jesus. It was Jesus. He wasn't dead at all. He was standing there talking to me. Oh, come on. It's true. It is true. I told you it was amazing, didn't I? Then he told me to go and tell the others,
3: me. So what you're telling me is that Jesus was crucified. He was dead, 100% dead. He was put in a tomb, dead. And a few days later, you went there to put perfume on his body and he wasn't there. And then you, Mary, saw him alive.
2: Yes, that's right. I said it was amazing. I did say it was amazing.
3: Oh, look. I don't know what you two have been drinking, but next time you're in the shops, get me a bottle. because I am going back to sleep.
0: About 10 years ago, Hazel and I uh, had moved to Weymouth. We'd just started living there and uh, we thought it'd be interesting to go and explore one of Weymouth's main tourist attractions. It was called uh, Time Walk in Brewers Quay. And it was a history of Weymouth uh, through the ages, Uh, an interactive experience. You could go in, there were moving animatronics. Uh, It was one of the the best features of the town at the time. Uh, So we decided to go along with our uh, eldest son. He was about 18 months old at the time. And uh, we started going through this exhibition. What we didn't realise is that Weymouth is curiously proud of the fact that it was the port of entry for the Black Death. Uh, So as we were going around uh, this exhibition, we went through uh, into the next room and discovered that it was full of all these horribly ill-looking people with pale, waxy faces. Uh, And then it only got worse as uh, we found dummies on the floor pretending to have died from the plague. Um, Our 18-month-old son was at this point starting to become a bit uh, suspicious that Mummy and Daddy kept saying all these dummies were just having a bit of a kip and a bit of a lie down. Uh, But I was reflecting on that experience uh, recently because lots and lots of people at the moment are saying that we are living in unprecedented times. Uh, And of course in some respects that's true, most of us have never lived through anything like this. But for God it really isn't true. Uh, he has seen much much worse than this. Um, the Black Death that came into Weymouth in the 14th century uh, wasn't finally eradicated from the world until th- almost 300 years later. It's estimated that it, it killed 30 to 60 percent of the population and if you think well that's all just ancient history uh, Spanish flu at the beginning of the 20th century just after World War I was thought to have infected a quarter of the whole of the world's population and it went on to kill more people uh, than even World War One. We are certainly in unusual times and times that in our lifetimes we've never seen anything like this before but actually God has seen stuff like this before. And the more I reflected on that the more I remembered that Jesus life of course wasn't a straightforward life either He was born as a baby into a a modest, if not a poor, household. He was born into a society that was living under occupation, uh, under the rule of the Romans, a fierce and callous nation uh, oppressing them. He uh, was somebody who, as he grew up and began to speak out publicly, was regularly accused of being blasphemous, Uh, of hanging out with the wrong people of breaking all the rules uh, of being unacceptable and of course this all culminates in the events that we've been thinking about this week in his betrayal by one of his closest friends uh, in his arrest Uh, he's put before a kangaroo court he's uh, tortured with a view to getting him to confess to things that he hasn't done he's uh, convicted and then executed in a very cruel and painful way. And as I reflected on the way in which Jesus' life was far from straightforward and far from lacking in suffering, there were two things that really struck me about the way that he lived. First of all, he didn't take these things on. You know, I I suspect that if we lived in those times under occupation or in poverty or or constantly being criticised, we would have vowed to take these things on. We would have uh, said that we were going to defeat them, uh, that we were going to overcome them, that we weren't going to be cowed by them. Uh, We would have sought to take them head on. But Jesus doesn't seem to do that. Uh, Jesus seems instead to trust God, to stay close to him to trust that God is doing something that he maybe doesn't understand straight away, and to continue to declare the truths of who God is and what his kingdom looks like. And the second thing that was struck me, not just that he didn't take these things on, but actually these things did have a really significant impact on him. It wasn't without cost. I think sometimes we think, well, God was, you know, Jesus was... God wasn't he? I mean these things didn't really affect him in the same way that they affected us. But when you read the Gospels carefully you see that they absolutely did affect him in exactly the same way that they affected us. Uh, You remember just before he feeds the 5,000 he's tired and he wants to go away somewhere quietly uh, with his disciples but the crowd follow him and are harassing him at just the time when he wants to chill out a bit and relax. Uh, We find that when his friend uh, Lazarus Uh, becomes ill and dies suddenly. It moves him deeply and he uh, cries at the tomb uh, and as he sees the impact it's had on all of his friends. Uh, We've seen him in Gethsemane in absolute agony at what lies ahead of him as he begins to see what God's plan looks like uh, and what it's going to take uh, to bring this hope and this salvation. Jesus suffers just as we suffered and of course the Bible in other places in Romans chapter 5 for instance tells us that suffering it's not a good thing it's not something that we seek out it's not something that God intended but it does have consequences it leads Paul tells us to perseverance and perseverance leads to character and character leads to hope When we look at Jesus in all of these situations, what we discover is this profound trust in God. And on Easter Day, when we remember that having been betrayed and tried and executed, he rose again from the dead, that the power of God lifted him up out of the grave, we realise the source of his confidence. He knew, he knew in a deep and profound way that nothing was going to separate him from the goodness and the power of God. He knew as he was resurrected from the grave that even death was not stronger than the love and the power of God. Do you know I think a lot of our fears, a lot of the things that we spend our time fretting about and worrying about, they all come down in the end to this fear of Death. I mean, what are people going to do to us? What's the worst that could happen? Well, when we start asking those sorts of questions, we discover that what really lies at the bottom of all of our fears is death itself. And in the face of death on Easter morning, Jesus says really clearly, the love and the power of God is stronger even than death.